Paul talked about that multiple times. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn them to 2 Timothy is where we'll be looking today. Uh, but I wanted to read this to you out of uh, 1 Corinthians. Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. We're in the final week of our series on the one that's titled This Old Book, the series that we uh, have been going through for the, this is the fifth week of it now. Um, we're, we're exploring this, this old book, the one we carry around or the one that we scroll to on, on our devices. Uh, we have been desiring to fall in love with reading it. Uh, we have been exploring how this book came together. We have been discovering what's generally in this book, in the Old Testament uh, and in the New Testament. Uh, we, we've kind of given ourselves some permission to wrestle with the difficult things that we find in it, uh, and we've demonstrated that the Bible is a reliable source for us. All of that is kind of ultimately to build a case that as Christians, that as, that as followers of Jesus, that, that this book that we believe is uh, inspired and influenced by God uh, is authoritative and presents uh, the truth for us, the truth by which we should live and order our lives and, and think. Now, I don't expect people who are not Christians to hold the same view. I don't expect people who are not followers of Christ to believe that this book is authoritative and presents the truth in their life. Paul acknowledged that. We watched it on the video. But Paul also said that while this book may seem like foolishness to those who don't believe, he also reminded the church in Rome that he was not ashamed of the gospel. That this book, these words, uh, they have the power to transform people's lives. This book, along with the influence and persistence of the Holy Spirit, has the power to introduce people to Jesus. So those who don't profess Christ as Savior, I don't expect them to be at the same point yet. But for Christians, I believe that we are obligated to, to search for and be students of the truth, which we believe to be found in, in the person of, of Jesus. And we believe that, that this book, uh, it, it tells us who we are. It's our defining story as the people of God. It tells us who's we are. It tells us why we're here. It points to where we are going. It gives us focus. It gives us perspective. I think that this book can speak to the depths of our heart like no other book on the planet. And I hear on occasion that, that the Bible, and we saw it in the video, that the Bible is just not relevant 
anymore, that it's outdated, that the Bible is antiquated, and it doesn't really fit real life today. Uh, It it seems kind of out of step. It seems out of touch. Uh, You know, it talks about ceremonial law and all of these ancient customs. And and we know, we we live in today, we recognize that, that times change that society moves at a very uh, rapid pace, and it's hard to keep up sometimes. I mean, many people view the Bible uh, as being as relevant as like a VHS tape or, or a typewriter or a movie rental store or, or a camera that still has film in it. Some people just think that, that the Bible, it had its place in a day, in, in a day and, and now not so much. Even those who claim to be Christian... Remember the first week that we started this series, we talked about some statistics within the Christian community, those who profess to be Christian, that uh, we don't read the Bible as much as maybe we say we do. The 18% of people who claim to be Christian rarely or never open up the Bible and read it. And 60% of people who claim to be Christian they read the Bible two times a week or, or less. Uh, many people who claim to be Christian would rather turn to the latest uh, pop theology uh, in the books that, that are on the Christian bestseller list. And, and lots of people, they're looking for the, the newest and the greatest uh, message that, that will come and save them and pull them out of the doldrums of, of their life. When it's really... God's grace through Scripture is what is needed. So what is, when we say, is the Bible relevant, what do we mean by relevant? You hear that word thrown around a lot these days. Um, Relevant is an adjective that means to be closely connected or appropriate to the matter at hand. A more modern understanding, uh, perhaps, uh, would be to use the word current. Is the Bible current? Um, the, the word is, is used most when we talk about things uh, being able to speak or to function uh, or to prosper in our own time. So, so that's really the question that I want to consider today. Is the Bible relevant? And, and examine how, how is it closely connected with life today? How is it still appropriate for our daily life and existence? So if you have your Bibles, in 2 Timothy is one of my very favorite passages in all of Scripture that I wanted to read uh, with you this morning. Would you stand as we read 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3? This is Paul's final charge to his uh, student, Timothy. Paul says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we're the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. You can be seated. It's a reminder. Uh, I mean, if you look at this, there are, there are a lot of commands that, that, that Paul speaks here. He is using imperative language. In other words, he's telling Timothy, do this, do this, don't do that. And it's kind of uh, taking a commanding approach. And Timothy, you need to make sure that you continue to do these things. He reminds Timothy that uh, salvation is through Jesus and none other, and that this is the central truth that, that never needs to be reinvented, uh, even when we put it into terms in our own uh, context in which we live. And so as we build a case uh, for answering the question, is the Bible relevant today, uh, there are so many ways that we could talk about this. I, I I wanted to take three things from this passage that I think help us build a case to answer the question uh, that, yes, the Bible is still relevant to our life today. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is the Bible is relevant because God breathes it. Uh, If you look at verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed. That's the NIV translation. Some translations read, all Scripture is inspired by God. Now, the word that we're looking at here is uh, for God-breathed or inspired is one that Paul actually made up. Uh, It's only used one time in the entire New Testament, and it's not used at all in other Greek writing of the same vintage as Paul. So this is a word that we think Paul just made up. He takes two Greek words and he puts them together. And the Greek words are uh, theo for God and noustos for air. It's God air or God wind or God breath. And, and I love this picture of, of Scripture as the, the very breath of God, that, that the words of Scripture, he influenced humans uh, through the power of his Holy Spirit to write them down. But but all Scripture is exhaled, in a way, by God. I love that imagery. In Genesis, uh, first book of the Bible, we read that, that God breathes life into humans. And so, too, God breathes life into His words. And God, the popular movie these days, God's Not Dead, true story, which means that God still breathes He's still inspiring. Every time that we open up the pages of the Scripture and read, God is still breathing through them, breathing life into them. These writings speak of God, and God speaks through them. He gives these words life. And and I love how Eugene Peterson talks about inspiration. He says, The way inspiration takes place The process by which various human languages written in sometimes faulty grammar are used by God, the Spirit, to speak God's Word personally to us is a mystery that defies complete understanding. What is indisputable, though, is that people of faith believe that inspiration happens, and they claim to experience its effects. If you believe that every part of Scripture is God-breathed, it will affect the way you read it. If you don't believe that every part is God-breathed, it will not only affect the way you read it, it will affect whether you even pick it up to read it at all. 
But reading the Bible is not the end in itself. As we uh, interact with Scripture, as we digest uh, the words uh, in the Bible, we become aware of ourselves in relationship to God. I came across this story uh, this week. A guy named A.J. Jacobs. He's an author. He's a Jewish guy. Um, he set out to uh, spend a year living the Bible literally. And he wrote a book about it. Uh, he says, uh, this is a, he wrote about his own work, The Year of Living Biblically is the name of the book. He says, it's my quest to live the ultimate biblical life, to follow every single rule in the Bible as literally as possible. He says, I obey the famous ones, the Ten Commandments, love thy neighbor, be fruitful and multiply, but also the hundreds of often ignored ones, like do not wear clothes of mixed fibers. So he had somebody figure out, you can wear this garment and this one because this one is pure cotton and this one you can't because it's intermixed. Uh, and he wore all white clothes. He followed the do not shave your beard command. He removed the names of false gods from his vocabulary, which meant, for example, that he could not say the words Wednesday or Thursday because they honor the false gods Thor and Woden. Uh, he practiced stoning uh, for Sabbath breakers and adulterers. True story. He, uh, he gathered up a bunch of pebbles and carried them around in his pocket. And so one story that I read was he was sitting on a park bench in Central Park, and of course he was wearing all that, uh, all white, and he had let his hair grow, and his sideburns were down here and curled, and, and he said this guy who was about 70, he said, why are you dressed funny like that? And it got them into a conversation, and he was explaining to this guy why he was doing this, and he was saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, I have these stones, and I'm going around stoning people today for, for various sins. And the guy's like, well, which one? He's like, well, I'm kind of focusing on Sabbath breakers and adulterers today. And the guy said, well, I'm an adulterer. And uh, he, so he, this whole story of him, uh, he ends up throwing rocks at this guy. <laughs> he said, I, it felt really good. <laughs> so why do this? Well, I grew up in a very secular home. I'm officially Jewish, but I'm Jewish in the same way that Olive Garden is an Italian restaurant. <clears throat> I'd always assumed religion would just wither away and we'd live in a neo-enlightenment world. I was, of course, spectacularly wrong. So was I missing something essential to being human, or was half the world deluded? I decided to dive in head first, to try to experience the Bible myself and find out what's good in it and what's maybe not so relevant to the 21st century. The resulting year was fascinating, entertaining, and informative. It was equal parts irreverent and reverent. It was filled with surprising insights almost every day. Uh, Jacobs discovered he could not interpret the Bible alone. So every day, he met with other people to discuss its meaning. 
It drew him into community and into a new way of thinking of others. For the first time, he considered the possibility that there is one who created us, and soon he felt a deep connection to the whole human family. It may seem out of season, antiquated, but it is the word the world needs. By the end, Jacob's referred to himself as a reverent agnostic, and he wrote this, Studying the Bible is not like studying sumo wrestling in Japan. It's more like wrestling itself. The opponent of mine is sometimes beautiful, sometimes cruel, sometimes ancient, sometimes crazily relevant. I can't get a handle on it. I'm outmatched. See, God exhales his word, and it does not return to him void. God's word kind of needs a warning label for those who would read it. it. It is so true that it will begin to read you. And as we read it, we, di- we discover that above all else, we are outmatched by the love and the grace of God who has given up his word, who has given us his word. Uh, He has given us his son so that we might know life. The Bible is relevant because God breathes it. And as we interact with it, we come into this relationship with him. The Bible is also relevant because We can trust tradition. Look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Fred Craddock, he suggests that it's one thing to be uh, encouraged to learn new things, to, to probe new vistas, to, to push beyond our present boundaries into uncharted territory. But it, it's really quite another thing to be told to keep to what you've already learned, to what's been handed to you, to what you already know is true. See, on the one hand, the one thing values what is new and untested and potentially eye-opening and life-changing, but the other values what is tried and true. One looks towards the future and keeps an eye on what is yet to come, and the other casts an eye backwards into the past. Paul encourages Timothy to embrace and trust what has been handed to him, what he's already been taught. Why? Because he can trust the people who handed it to him. He learned genuine faith from two people, three people specifically. Paul um, is a given. But Paul mentions two others in 2 Timothy in chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, Paul mentions that Timothy learned his genuine faith from Grandma Lois and his mom Eunice. And through their patient teaching and example, he was brought up in this faith and to the place where he was that day. In similar fashion, I think that we can trust those who came before us. We can trust the integrity of the previous generation of faith. My mentors, I trust them. 
And if you were to go and, and interview my mentors, they would identify people who were meaningful in their spiritual uh, growth and their development of faith. And you know what? I, I would say that they trusted their mentors. And if you went back that generation, you could interview them and they would have mentors. And it goes all the way back. We can trust those who have handed us the message. Many of our teachers, we won't remember, but, but some of our teachers, some of our mentors, they're just simply unforgettable. Not just those who taught us things, but those who inspired us, those who created an excitement in us to go deeper in our faith. We remember their faces and their words still, they reverberate around in our minds and their encouragement still echoes within our souls today. Their words, their character, how they talked, how they lived in front of us, uh, all of those things shaped how we say uh, and how we talk about our faith, how, and how we live in, in our community. So who, who are your teachers of the faith? Here's some of mine. My mom. My dad. My grandma and grandpa Bach. My papa and grandma Drummond. Hank and Ann Steed. Sue and Sheldon Moss. Kendall and Sherry Anderson. Dan Boone. Jeff Crosnell. I could name a few more. It's good to speak the names out loud. So I would ask you, who's on your list? Who's on your list? Maybe a more pointed question is whose list are you on? Who would list you as a mentor in their faith journey? See, part of our responsibility as followers of Christ is to pass along our faith to the next generation doesn't mean that it's always kids, but yes, we're, we are instructed to bring our kids up in the Lord. But as followers of Christ who, who function in a neighborhood, in a community, in a workplace, we are called, we are commanded to take our faith and replicate it in, in other people, introduce others to Jesus. So who would include you on their list? You can trust those who taught you. Value and, and cherish the past. It provides a precedent and a stability. It is the foundation on which we build uh, our faith. Continue in what you have been taught, says Paul. In a way, Paul is telling Timothy that the way forward takes him on a journey through the past. Part of Paul's guidance here is so that Timothy and all of us would, would not get distracted by the, the cutting edge, the trendy, the flashy teaching that, that leads us astray sometimes. Paul tells Timothy to guard his faith. You can stand on the truth that you have learned, Timothy. The truth of the gospel. The truth in the teaching that comes out of the gospel message. 
It has been given to us through faithful witness of those who have gone before us. I know in many ways the Bible seems to, to go against everything that, that claims to be modern or cutting edge. But, but we believe that the, the Scripture, which says that God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, we believe that, that this Word can, can cut through all of our thoughts. It can cut through all of our feelings and emotions and preferences and hang-ups, and sin, and brokenness, and stubbornness, and get right to the heart of the matter. There's sometimes when you open up the Word of God, and it feels like God just touches a raw nerve. The Word will do that, which leads us to the third thing that I want to talk about, and, and that's that I believe the Bible is relevant because the Bible works. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That phrase, and is useful, struck me. When, when Paul wrote these words. He was specifically referring to the, the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the, the Old Testament. It's the sacred text that the early Christians used in the formation of their faith communities. It, it's the scriptures that they looked to for guidance. And in verse 15, Paul uh, told Timothy, Timothy that they're worthwhile because uh, these scriptures have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. But Paul goes further than that, and he says all scripture is useful for several things. And the word that he uses here means to work. It means to employ. It's, it's really a business word. It's a word for productivity. The Bible works. Remember Isaiah 55, 11, that, that when God's word goes out, it doesn't come back to him void or, or empty. The word, the Bible, is profitable. It nets results. The Bible works. Paul says that Scripture, for the people of God, is used for several things. It works in these ways. It's teaching. It teaches us what is true that Scripture is a source of positive instruction, that, that Scripture is used for rebuking or reproof. And that gets a little bit uncomfortable for us because uh, it helps us to realize what is wrong in our lives. Uh, it will expose sin in order to bring change, and, and Scripture will, will also refute errors that we may have in, in our theology and our thinking and, and in our living. Scripture, Paul says, is used for correcting Correcting, it provides corrective action. It helps restore us to a right state. Scripture is a source of, of guidance for us. Scripture is used for training in righteousness. It, it teaches us to do what is right. Scripture helps us learn the discipline of, of right living. It's discovery through experience, discovery through watching and, and modeling, and discovery through story and discovery through inspiration. 
It's training in righteousness. It's training in integrity. It's training in purity of life and thought. Oftentimes we hear this verse and we think that it authorizes us to get, our, get out our big 10-pound King James Bibles and just whack people upside the head. Because we have been instructed to use the Bible to teach, rebuke, correct, and train. And this is the way that we think it's going to happen. We think, we, want, we think that we are called as Christians to help people to shape up, to get people to straighten up and fly right, as my papa used to say. Yet I get the sense in this passage that Paul wants to make sure that Timothy knows that Scripture must first do its work on him. Then, only then, would he be more likely to be in a place to help other people discover the same thing. I really like how the New Living Translation puts this verse into, uh, into words. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And notice how the focus there is, is on Timothy. It's on us as we read it. The, the word preached and taught with grace and love will do its work on people's lives. The Holy Spirit is active and involved because God breathes it. He's exhaling it, and the Holy Spirit is, is doing its work. And I, I know this to be true. Because I can preach a message like this. It could be a couple days, a couple weeks, even a couple months. Somebody will come back to me and say, you know, when, when you were talking about this, I heard the Lord talking to me in this very specific way. And the interesting thing for me sometimes is that's not even at all what I said. So I know that the Holy Spirit is active in our midst, and when we preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and brings you to understanding and how it works in your own life. This is one of those passages that challenges both our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship uh, with, with other people. Notice how Paul says that all this training in righteousness, this right living and, and right uh, behaving and, and right thinking and right talking, uh, all of those things, is so that we may be equipped for every good work. Scripture will help us with right living and right relationship with God, but it is so that we will have right relationship with the people around us that we will put the gospel into practice, that we will be credible Christian witnesses in the world, that we will love and serve others in the name of Jesus, that we will practice hospitality, that we will, we will build one another up in Christ instead of seeking to tear each other apart. See, sometimes through Scripture, God will use us to rebuke and train, correct, but we best model Christian living 
and thinking, when our, when our words match the way we live. Well, that's part of a case for answering the question, is the Bible still relevant? See, relevance is not uh, dumbing down the gospel in order to make people think Jesus is cool. Uh, relevance is giving people what they need deep down in, in their soul. Relevance is, is not smoothing out and, and changing up the message to give people what they think they need. Relevance is introducing people to Jesus and letting him do the work. The one final question that we have is, does the Bible present us with the truth? And I would wholeheartedly and without reservation say yes. Scripture is true, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, it's authoritative, it's permanent, it's powerful because we believe that God influenced it. It presents a clear, consistent, coherent testimony about his son Jesus. And the Bible points us to Jesus and tells us how we can enter into a saving relationship with our Creator through Him. And Jesus claimed, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. But I can't decide for you. I can't decide on, on whether you believe that the Bible is true and authoritative in your life. You, you need to make that choice. See, either, either you believe that the Bible presents the truth or, or you don't. Either you believe that the Holy Spirit continues to breathe life into the words of Scripture so that they can speak to every area of your life or you don't. It is one or the other. It's not a combination. It's not somewhere in the middle. Either you believe it or you don't. And I can't decide that for you. See, this whole series on, on this old book, it really sets up the next four weeks of conversations that, that I want to have amongst us as a church. Because how we think and view the Bible will make a big difference for you as you begin to build a Christian worldview. So you can look at all of circumstances in life in light of Scripture. And, and more importantly, giving authority to God through His Word opens us up to let Scripture do its work on us, to let, let Scripture interpret our lives. It opens us up to let Scripture challenge us, to correct us, to train us in our lives and how we might influence the culture around us. This old book, it's ancient, yes. But God is still speaking through it. People of God said, Amen. Amen.